Speaking of, we are, right, we're in the second week of a series called Growing Pains. Everybody's got this in their, in their chair, right? I'm going to tell you why this is important. We are in the second week of a series called Growing Pains, and it's all about our theme for churches a year, which is growth, understanding what it looks like to grow. And Donnie kicked us off last week and did an amazing job with this bottom line that we are designed to grow. That's it. Just like physical and appearance, we are designed, you and I are designed to grow. And the theme verse that this whole series is coming from comes from Hebrews 5, and it says, we have much to say about these things. This is Paul, or not Paul, but the writer of Hebrews. It says, we have much to say about these things, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. It says, in fact, though, by this time you ought to be teachers, you need somebody to still teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. And he says, and anyone who lives on milk is still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness, the teachings of Christ. And he says, but solid is food is for the mature, right? It's, it's who by consistent use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil, to understand absolute truth, right? We are designed to grow. That was Donnie's bottom line last week. And I can't go through and, and walk you through. Donnie walked you through this entire matrix last week to understand better what it means for us to continue uh, to grow. There's ways, go ahead and put the, the graph up. There's ways in which we, we learn and we feed. Okay, so we, we talked about the stages as, like, as a physical stage. And there's ways in which spiritually we learn uh, to feed, we learn to, to learn, and, and, and then there's ways how we lead others and how we teach others, kind of what kind of comes out of us. And then there's an opportunity of how we express that, whether it's in our EQ, our emotions, whether it's our personality and the way God designed us, whether it's our spiritual giftings. It's like there are ways in which we express that. And there's, there's just healthy versions of this and unhealthy versions of this in every stage. And as Don said last week, it doesn't matter your physical age. This is, you can be, you know, this is a spiritual situation. This is how the Bible talks about spiritual maturity. It's very much like we look at physical maturity. And the goal, okay, the goal is maturity. Okay, the goal is maturity. It's, it's to be an adult, right? Why? Because nobody wants to be this, right? Nobody wants to be this, right? We did this last year and blew it up on the window outside and you know, the chest hair was disturbing. I'll be honest with you. It was really disturbing, right? It's, nobody wants to see this spiritually. And listen, because this series is really designed for, for followers of Christ and believers, you may be in the room and you may, may be on the outside of that. You may be on the fringe. You may just still be kind of wondering what this whole faith thing is all about. And some of the reasons you struggle with Christianity and some of the reasons you struggle with faith is because of what you've seen in this the immaturity of people who call themselves Christians and followers of Christ. So we under, listen, we, we're glad you're here. Please engage in the series with us. You might actually learn why it is you're so upset at some of the Christians you see around you and what's actually caused you, because we all have room to grow, right? We all have room to grow. But here's what I want you to know today, just from the beginning bottom line, is that maturity is not the destination, right? It's not like a level in a game, right? It's not something just to achieve, Maturity, as the Bible describes it, is supposed to be the new normal he wants for all of his kids, okay? It's the new normal. It's, it's, the, it's, it's, a, it's a child of God fully experiencing everything he can experience from God and then being used by God in every way, shape, and form that God wants to use him. That's what maturity looks like in a follower of Christ. So it's not something we work to attain so that it's just, you know, so we just have it. It's so that we can get there and operate from it, right? 
It's supposed to be the new normal in our lives to be able to operate as followers of Christ out of maturity, which means, we go back to the, to the graph, means that when it comes to how we learn and how we feed, we're independent. It doesn't mean you don't engage with church and, and folks in good teaching, but you're independent, meaning that you, you yourself know how to approach the Word of God and read the Word of God and study the Word of God, and you're balanced. It's not just, and we'll talk more about the balance side today, you're not just focused on one thing. It's not like an encyclopedia. You're balanced in how you're understanding of God's Word. When you go to lead and kind of pour out to others, it is with informed humility, okay? It's not arrogance. It's informed humility in which that kind of flows out of you. And then when it comes to the full expression it's a healthy practice of all those things I mentioned, a healthy practice of your EQ and a healthy practice of your personality and how God's wired you and, and what it looks like to, to grow in that way. And It's a full, healthy expression of your spiritual gifts and how God wants to use you. So that's the goal. That, that is what we want to be the new normal for every single Christian in the room and who's watching online, the new normal. So how do we get there, right? How do we grow and go from one stage, know this, the reason we put these in your, in your seat is so that at today you can follow along. I'm not going to go through explaining it like Don did. But following along with where you believe you are and where it is that God wants you to go. And how can you take these steps? How can you engage in things that help you grow in your journey? And the way, I, I hate to say it, it's actually pretty simple. The way that God designed that to happen is through spiritual disciplines. Right? Now, spiritual disciplines, you may not, you may, you may have heard this another way. Go ahead and put the, the slide up. You may have heard of spiritual dif- disciplines if you came to church or you have some church background. Uh, that's language that you probably have heard people talk about prayer and bi- you know, uh, early morning devotions and things like that. You've heard people use the phrase. If you Google it, all right, if you Google it, you'll get all sorts of stuff, right? You'll get like the six most important, you know, spiritual disciplines. Bloggers love this stuff, all right? Uh, you get the six most important, you get here's the 14 from the New Testament, you know, spiritual disciplines. And you can read all sorts of different phrasing of what these disciplines look like. And that's fine. I'm going to make it real simple for you, okay? To me, spiritual disciplines are just basically commands from God that he's called us to do that help us grow in our faith. That's it. Anything that God commands us to do that helps us grow in our faith is a spiritual discipline, all right? So I'm going to give you a few today, but instead of worrying about the disciplines themselves, I broke it out into some categories about what these disciplines are designed to do, all right? And and there are disciplines that are designed to help us receive from God, to receive from God. There are disciplines designed to help us cultivate, to to grow, to tend the soil, if you will, to, to see fruit happen, to see ourselves be transformed. And there are disciplines that help us practice, to help put action to our, to our faith, to help put our faith into uh, movement. All right, so let's just read these out loud. These are the spiritual disciplines, and here's what some of them are designed to do and what we're going to walk through today. Read it out loud. We're to receive, cultivate, and practice. One more time. Say it again. Receive, cultivate, and practice. And I'm not by far going to give you the exhaustive list. I'm just going to give you a few of each one so you can begin to see how this works. The first will be receive. That there are disciplines used so we can receive from God. That's reading and hearing the Word of God. Okay, reading and hearing the Word of God. Biblical teaching. 
Christ-centered friendships, which you'll hear us talk about groups. That's why we just talk about groups in our, in our church. But Christ-centered friendships. And then church engagement. Actual church engagement and attendance is actually a discipline in your life in order to receive from God. All right, And we're going to talk about all these, but I'll, I'm going to focus on one specific one right now. Um, I'm going to give you the, the scripture. This is actually on your chart talking about receiving. It says, preach the word of God, be prepared whether it's time, the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. Why? Because that's what the word of God does for us. Corrects, rebukes, and encourages. And it says there's a time coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. This is Paul talking to Timothy. He says, they will follow their own desires, and they will look for teachers who will simply tell them what their itching ears want to hear. And they will reject the truth, and they will chase after myths. Some even say they will chase the lie. All right? That's, that's important. Now, I want to just park here, because, not just because I feel like it's like most important, but because there's an aspect of this in terms of personal you know, reading and hearing of the Word of God that's tied to biblical teaching that I feel like is really important in terms of a core way in which we receive, in which we receive from God, okay? Now, what the Bible does when you are, again, shooting for the mature, that balanced, you know, uh, uh, independent, being able to feed yourself, is the Bible's going to correct, rebuke, and encourage, right? Let's all be honest. We love being encouraged by the Bible, right? We love it. We love it. We lo- we, I mean, that's your verse of the day that gets emailed to you, right? That's your daily bread verse of the day. We love the encouraging verses, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? right? God is working everything out to the good of those who he loves and he calls to be his own. God has a, hey, God has a plan for you, a future to prosper and to bless you, right? That's how you want to start a Monday, right? The encouragement. Nobody, nobody wants to start their Monday with a verse where it's like, hey, Jesus said, if you don't forgive others, he doesn't forgive you. Go get Monday. You know, it's like, that's not, we don't, you know, encouragement is what we seek. We love the encouragement of Scripture. And don't get me wrong, it, Scripture's here to encourage us. It really is. It's wonderful. But if we're not careful, and we do not have a discipline of reading and hearing the Word of God and biblical teaching as well, then we are going to become slaves to whatever sounds right. To whatever sounds right. Why do we need Scripture that corrects us? Well, we don't like to be corrected. Let's just, let's just be truthful, right? We don't like to be corrected. We don't like to be told we're wrong about anything in our current culture. We certainly don't like to be rebuked. Okay? You know what the difference is? The Bible corrects us because he wants to correct our way of thinking. Right? Correction is you are thinking about this the wrong way. You, the way you're thinking about it doesn't work. It doesn't look like that. I have arguments with my children in which I just laugh internally because they try to convince me of something and they're so wrong, right? But I'm just looking at it like everything you're thinking is just completely wrong, right? There's a correction in thinking that has to happen. But to be rebuked is a correction in our behavior, Right? And we don't want to be corrected in our behavior. We spent so much time justifying why that behavior was the right behavior. And we don't want to be rebuked about that. 
So we want to get to the pixie dust, you know, the encouragement. Like, let's just get over here with the church and the scripture and the verse of the day. I can handle that. But you have to have a discipline that allows the word of God to correct your thinking, to rebuke your behavior, and to encourage you in Christ. Because if not, listen, it's whatever sounds good. It's whatever sounds right. Oh, that's the way we're supposed to treat immigrants and, and, uh, and, and people. That, that sounds right. Oh, that's the way people view this hot topic of homosexuality and the transgender. That's a good argument. I guess that sounds right. That's the way the churches are supposed to be changing and moving and being. And you know, I don't know. That, I mean, that sounds right to me. And if you don't have any way of being corrected or rebuked or encouraged, we're just going to be slave to what sounds right. You know what sounds right to my four-year-old? Cake for breakfast. That's what sounds right. Y'all with me? That's what sounds right. Thank God she has mature adults, right? Mature-ish adults that know that that won't kill her, right? But that's not going to be good for her. That's not going to be good for her preschool teacher. That's not going to be good for mom and therefore not good for me, right? That's the purpose of maturity in our, in our lives. We have to have these disciplines to help us or we will be slave. We will be slave to just what sounds right. Here's what the psalmist said. He said, I love, oh, how I love your, what's the word? Say it out loud. Oh, how I love your instructions. I think about them day and night. Your, your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are my constant guide. How many of us can honestly say that's how we approach reading and hearing the Word of God? That Oh, I just love it. I, I just work with it day and night. It's my constant guide, my instru your instructions for me. Listen, when, when we have a habit, a discipline of, of reading and hearing the Word of God, even through the biblical teaching aspect of things, like, guys, I'm just telling you the weight of Scripture. You can tell when the weight of Scripture has started to mature someone. Because when you're in those child years and you're those teenage years and you're those you know, young adult years, you tend to read the Word of God like ammo, right? Like a way to collect ammo, like a way to make sure that you're right. You, you, you read it in, in such a way to help make sure that you're right and others are wrong. And you can tell people that do that and are kind of stuck in that stage and how they approach reading the Word of God versus people who read the Word of God and they hear words from Jesus like, hey, you without sin, go ahead and cast the first stone. There's people with maturity that begin to read the Word of God and they wear the weight of the Word of God in them. It's not just reading the Bible. The Bible's read them, Right? And they understand. I mean, I, listen, as long as I've read the Word of God in my entire life, as much as I've continued to study and learn, I have deeper convictions. Yes, I have deeper convictions about what I believe, but I can promise you I am far more humble about the things that I don't. The things that I don't know and the things that are, are wide open for me to continue to have conversations with people about because I have my convictions that keep me completely rooted in Christ, but I am more than humble enough to read the weight of Scripture and let it weigh me and measure me. That's why biblical teaching matters. Because when you're in the early stages and you're just mimicking things, you want to be mimicking the right kind of things. Not just encouragement, but correction and rebuke as well. We have uh, what we call groups as Christ-centered friendships. And one of the reasons you need Christ-centered friendships is because if you do not have a discipline to receive and hear the Word of God, then you are going to be surrounded by friends who will tell you what sounds right. Oh, girl, I get what they did to you at work. Let me tell you what you should say. Let me tell you what you should do. And I'm telling you, that's all wrong, right? But it sounds right in the moment. 
You need Christ-centered friendships, Christ-centered people in your life that don't just have common interests with you, but can challenge you, can ask clarifying questions with you, will encourage you to go back to God with the thing that you're dealing with and struggling with. And I didn't really, really know this, even as a young kid, just the way I was raised. I never really heard attendance or church engagement as a discipline, and yet the more and more and more I engage with people today, it's becoming one of the largest disciplines you could ever have, right? Because primarily when, when, you, see, when you cease to give God the first of your life, when, when church becomes just an option, okay, it just becomes one of the many options for your weekend. When you begin to view church this way, you lose out on what you receive by being a part of the corporate body of Christ, you lose out on what you can only receive, not just through the teaching and the word and the, and the Christ-centered friendships and the environments and the opportunities. You don't just get to receive that. You miss out on what God wants to do in and through you because of the lives of others. And so it's become this discipline that now people need to begin to work through and challenge themselves with the discipline of how engaged are they. I mean, listen, a lot of bloggers and kind of new younger Christians will want to tell you that you can, you know, just cut the mess of church out. Don't worry about the politics and the stuff. And I understand what they're talking about, but you, you on the boat and you out there in the park, you can just have your quiet time with God. And that's, it's going to be more than you could possibly imagine. Listen, when you get down to the nitty gritty and have conversations like I do with people that have drifted away from church, their devotion for God has not increased. It's diminished. That's why it's a discipline. That's why it's a huge discipline in terms of receiving. But it can't just be all about receiving, right? There's got to be cultivation. There are disciplines designed to help it cultivate and stir and change us. From Sabbath to fasting to prayer to studying God's Word to worship, right? These are, now, these are, tend to be things that are a little more personal. They tend sometimes to even be more private, but yet God has instituted these disciplines and commands to help you understand that this is the way in which it begins to take root in your heart. It begins to produce fruit in your life. Let me read some, some of the scriptures that, that align with some of this. Let me, let me walk you through. This is in Joshua where he talks about studying, again, the book of instructions, continually meditating on it day and night so we can be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. There's a part of this, you know, your quiet time. There's a part of this time that you have to personally have in meditation, in, in reading, and in studying. Not just reading the Word of God, but studying what it means and why it was said and why is it so controversial. And begin to understand it. Let's let, let just change you from the inside out. Keep going. When you pray, go, this is Jesus, when you pray, go by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. When your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. Prayer is not supposed to be complicated. Okay? We complicate prayer. Prayer is a conversation with your dad. That's what prayer is. You don't, even need to, you don't even have to come up with new words like, wherefore art thou. You don't have to say all those things. right? Prayer is a conversation with your dad. And the, way, the reason it's a cultivating discipline is because prayer changes us far more than it changes the thing we're praying for right? That's what prayer does. It aligns us with the power of God. It aligns us with the will of God when we pray. Romans says it this way. He says, we're supposed to have our bodies, urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer our bodies 
as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is worship. This is what worship is. He goes on to say that we're not supposed to be conformed to the pattern of this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind, by the changing of the way you think. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. You, you don't have to live in confusion. You know what God wants you to do, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know, when you get in, those, uh, in these uh, areas like spiritual teenagehood and young adulthood, you can tend to get really selective of the stuff you want to cultivate, right? You can get really selective of the stuff that you want to get deeper into. Worship's one of them, just by the way. A lot of spiritual teenagers and young adults get really into worship, or, or worship, spiritual gifts, all those things, where it's like, I just want to know more, and I want to dig into that. I want God to just reveal to me things, and they get really into it. I mean, they're the ones who raise their hand and, and cry and fully express themselves, and that's great. Worship's a part, you, something you need to be working on, but I, they, they want to get so deep into that, and yet they might be struggling to actually have anything they're receiving, right? There's no, there's no disciplines to receive well, and they might not have any good disciplines of practicing their faith, because they've so spent so much time trying to figure out how to cultivate as much as possible of this very, this very select thing. And it can be really hard. It can, it can get you stuck spiritually in a stage that you don't want to be stuck in. God, God, God can't do everything He wants to do with you when you're stuck in that stage. You know, if you don't Sabbath, Sabbath rest, if you don't Sabbath and fast occasionally, I got news for you. You're, you're attacking everything in your life in your own strength. Good luck. You know? The, the command to Sabbath and rest in Him was to cease from striving and know that I am God. That's what Sabbathing is. To have those Sabbath moments. To take, you know, Sunday is not the end of your week. I know, I know this is contrary to our culture. Sunday is not the end of your week where you are beat, tired, exhausted, and don't have anything left to do. Sunday is the beginning of your week. Okay? It's the time that you give to God first. It's the time that you should be Sabbathing, experiencing some Sabbath rest to say, I don't have to worry about holding up my empire and my kingdom today because God's got this. He's got my family. He's got my job. He's got those concerns. He's got this. And to occasionally fast and prayer so that you can clarify some of the things you're praying for and working through is to have God's strength in your corner and working in you, cultivating it in you, right? You know when James says, when, when James, the brother of Jesus, says, hey, you need to be quick to listen, but slow to speak, right? You need quick to listen and slow to speak. Why? Because in our childhood years, in our young and spiritual childhood and young, and a, you know, young adult and teenage years, uh, we can be really quick to speak and sort of shout out any inane thought that we have in our head that we think is spiritually correct at the time. And James is like, yeah, spend twice as much time listening. Spend twice as much time receiving. And be really slow. That's where the humility comes in. Be really slow to speak, really slow to try to pour out your wisdom on others. Let it cultivate in you. Let it change you. Let it transform you. But we also have disciplines that help us practice, that help us put our faith into action, right? That help us express back obedience and gratitude to God. Giving, 
mobilize, which is kind of getting outside your four walls of your house and the four walls of your family and the four walls of the church, to mobilize on mission, to serve others using your gifts, to share hope with the world, and to disciple and mentor those around you. Here's some scripture. Some of this is on your sheet. Some of it is not. God has given each of us, as for 1 Peter, each of us a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. I just taught this last week in Growth Track and, and tried to help walk our folks through. Look, you know, there's a book that I wrote called Gifted that's just there because I have a huge passion because I feel like so many people in the family of God are missing out on the purpose God has for them because they don't understand their gifts. They do not understand how God put them as part of the body and has a purpose for them in their gifts to be used by him to serve others and to serve others well. Keep on. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds gets a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. This is Paul using this uh, illustration to talk about giving. He says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. You don't give reluctantly or response to pressure. God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. When you, uh, then you always have everything you need and plenty left over. That's the word we've used for blessed here at our church. Blessed really just means enough and plenty, right? So you'll have everything you need, enough, and plenty left over to share with others. And, you know, listen, giving is, a, giving is an exercise. This is one of the reasons we do the summer challenge, because we believe deeply as a church that giving is a keystone discipline. It's one of the areas of your life that you have the hardest time letting go of and get, letting God have control of. And when you do, you'll be surprised in all the other areas of your life that actually will begin to fall into place. And so giving is one of those things that actually happens because of two reasons. One, it's obedience, Okay? It's just obeying the commands of God to put him first in our life, to have nothing else before him, to give him our first fruits, to understand that this is why we give him the first of our devotion, the first of our resources, the first of our affection, the first of our time. We give it to him. But then there's the gratitude part, where it's like when you begin to understand how blessed you already are, how amazingly blessed you already are, then the gratitude comes in obe with obedience. The gratitude comes and says, but I want to. <laughs> I want to give back. I want to fuel the mission and ministry for the kingdom of God. I want to be a part of this. And I want everything that he's blessed me with to help in a way that's tangible. So giving is a huge practice. Keep going. If someone asks about your hope as a believer, you always got to be ready to explain it. Believe it or not, even if you don't like evangelism, you are experiencing evangelism every single day. Right? Don shared this morning in Growth Track again. We encourage you to go to Growth Track uh, the next time we have it. But John, Don shared this morning what it looks like at our church. We call it leading, leading others to hope. The reality is that you're, you, you, you live an evangelistic life. If you call yourself a believer and people around you know that you're a follower of Christ, you are living in such a way that tells them something about Jesus. And our goal is for you to live a life that not only, not only is a good testimony for Jesus, but is also a way in which we'll bring questions to you that you have then the opportunity to share your, your, your story of hope with them. That's what it is. It's not that complicated. It shouldn't be. And then we keep going where Jesus says, his last words, come, came and told his disciples, I've been given authority on heaven and on earth, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and make disciples. Okay? So read those two words out loud. Therefore, go and what? Yeah, nobody likes this word, so I'm going to have you read it again. All right, therefore, go and what? Make disciples of all the nations. You're going to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
And he says, and then you're going to teach, right? You're going to teach and mentor these new disciples to obey all the commands, all these disciplines that I've given you. And be sure of this, that I am with you till the end of the age. What Jesus is saying there is that you're not going to do it alone. That's not just, hey, he didn't just pat you on the butt and say, go for it, good luck, right? He gave us the command and said, I'm going to be with you. And there's, there's a practice of discipleship that many of us make very, very, very difficult when it's not. The way we describe it here is a, in a leadership context at our church, we have a, a, a core value for our leaders and volunteers that we call pouring it out. That's what we call it. Just called pouring it out. And what we talked about, the reason that we have this column in the middle about uh, how we teach and how we lead others, the reason it's there is because no matter where you are on your journey, no matter where you are in this stage, you can disciple someone else. You can. Okay? Now, does he want you to be in a place of maturity? Yes, he wants that to be your new normal. But you don't have to wait till you get there. Right? You have something to give someone else. You may not think your cup's very big. You may not think there's very much in your cup. But what we tell people all the time at Journey is, guess what? You have something that God has done in you that someone else needs, and your job is not for them to receive it. Your job is to pour it out. It doesn't have to be formal. It doesn't have to be formal. Will you please disciple me? Yes, I will. You know, It doesn't have to be that. You know, it doesn't have to be this formal idea. It's the part of doing life together and being a part of a church family where you get to pour your life into other people, part of what we do in groups. You're pouring out. You're pouring out what God's doing in you. They're pouring out what God's doing in them to someone else. They are then pouring out to someone else. And that's the way discipleship works. You are not responsible to disciple people in stages and in areas that you yourself are not in. You're not. I'm not responsible to answer all your questions. I never feel that responsibility. I'm just responsible to pour out what I have to you. That's all. Pour it out. That's what discipleship, that's what mentoring looks like. And it can be done in any single one of your stages. doesn't matter. But it's part of this practice. It's part of this practicing. Now go back to those three things. All right, let's read it out loud. Spiritual disciplines. Read it out loud. Receive, cultivate, and practice. You know what's really cool? I'm going to harp on the church for a minute. You know what's really cool? There's actually one like group of people, there's one organization, there's one environment on the planet in which you get to participate in all three of these disciplines, and it's called the local church. That's what it is. It's called the local church. You get to participate in, you have to, now you have to show up, and you have to engage, and you have to be here, but when you do, you get to participate. You get to receive, you get to allow things to cultivate, and you get to practice your faith. And that's how you can continue to grow. And you're just like, oh, I'll watch it on Monday, whatever. Listen, I'll, I'll just be honest with you. I'm far more sweaty on video than I am live. Just to let you know. <laughs> it's, it's disturbing. I just want you to know. You see dark spots just grow the whole time, right, on video. I don't know how anybody watches me during the week. Show up. Be a part. There's one organization on the planet in which you have the opportunities to engage in the spiritual disciplines that he has commanded and given you to help you grow and go from one stage to another. Why wouldn't you do that? Well, there's some reasons we're going to talk about next week. Yeah, you better show up. That's right. There you go. You better show up. 
Now, the reason I, I wanted you to repeat those three words is, as we close it out, I want you to remember, I didn't want to give you a list of, dis, of, of disciplines, and here's the reason why. Part of some of the reasons that people get stuck in these stages is because what I call of a single discipline mindset. You know, they get convicted, they're in a sermon, they get convicted about not reading scripture, not having their devotion, not praying enough, not doing something. They, they kind of get convicted about one area. We've challenged you to grow in your giving, so now you got to put all your energy in to figure out how you're going to do that. How you, you know, does a, can you write a check for a dollar? Will the bank even cash those? I mean, you know, I understand you're, you're, you're going to have this energy to like try to figure out what to do next. And the reality is, is that there's probably something to do in every one of these categories because they're not meant to be done by themselves. Okay, they're there, they're there with purpose. Some of them are to help you receive. Some of them are to help you cultivate. Some of them are to help you practice. You probably have stuff in all of them that you need to work on. We all have room to grow. But where I want you to be careful is when you start putting a lot of energy in one thing, that you don't get stuck there, right? We've all met these Christians, okay? Single discipline mindset. You're a big, fat, lazy baby and child, spiritually speaking, right? Why? Because somewhere along the line, a church or a group of people or a culture, a denomination, knowledge became the most important thing. You know, you go to seven Bible studies, you know, you, you read, you listen, you have 12 podcasts, you know, you go to four different churches in Lake Norman, you're just receiving and receiving and receiving and it just, it doesn't really go anywhere. It doesn't do anything else. Why? Because you were just taught to receive. You were told that was so important. And you had a single discipline mindset. And it causes nothing but this big, fat, lazy, baby, toddler Christian, spiritually speaking. So you've got to be careful of that. As I said earlier, in kind of that teenage, uh, young adult years, when you, when you go to sort of selective cultivation, when you start choosing what you feel like is the most important thing that people need to do around you and you need to do and you need to know more of and you need to get deeper and, you know, a deeper connection to, it does not breed generosity, okay? It does not stir within you compassion. All it really does is bring about self-righteousness. That's all it does. It just makes you more and more self-righteous. The more you feel like you know and how everybody else around you is wrong, you're going down the wrong path. Okay? Your, your desire to have God cultivate and transform you is leading you down a dead end because it's going to produce nothing but self-righteousness in you. So don't, don't, don't start looking at the things that cultivate and get really, really super hyper-focused on one of them. Get really selective. Because I don't want you to go down that path. The same is true of practice. Listen, there's a young adult sort of movement, and even in, even in the Christian circles, that sort of teenage young adult movement where, honestly, it's all about what we're doing. Are we going? Are we doing? Are we serving the least? Are we going to do this? Are we going to make it happen? What are you guys doing? Why are you guys such bad Christians? Don't you love Jesus? Don't you care about the poor? Don't you care about those hurting? Let's just go, and let's go, and let's do. And they become sort of the, the justice champions, right? But it's all passion with no wisdom. That's just the way it is. If all you ever get to concern yourself with is doing, but you don't have any disciplines to receive well, then you're going to be doing out of what sounds right. If it's not cultivating in you, if there's not transformation happening, if it's not really tending the soil and producing godly fruit 
the fruit of the Spirit in your life, then it doesn't matter how much you want to go on mission. It doesn't matter how much you want to feed the poor and take care of orphans. It doesn't matter because you're going to be a justice warrior without any actual wisdom in your life. It's just going to be a whole lot of practice and passion. And listen, I, I mean, we, we've all known these Christians, right? We've all known these Christians. And they're just stuck. They get stuck there. And they're sort of one discipline idea. My goal for everyone here is that you would look at this list and you would begin praying through. What is it in, the, in these things that I need to do to get through the stages that I'm in and continue to grow? How can I receive more? What are some of the disciplines that I can engage in to receive more from God? What is it that, that I can do to help just take time to cultivate and let God do the work in me first? And what are some of the practices that, quite frankly, I've avoided and I need to be engaged in? It's all the above. And God, I'm telling you, you've already, some of you have already been stirred. God's going to lead you where you need to go. I promise you. If you, if you trust him to let, help you take those steps, he will be there with you to take those steps. But honestly, there's, there's some people in the room, and there's people I've, that I've talked to a lot in terms of Christianity, that they, them, they don't even see that the disciplines are an option. They struggle to even take one step, one, one directional step in a way to help make things better, in a way to help them grow past where they are. Why? Because they are so incredibly stuck in the stage that they're in, in the Christianity that they have allowed to form around them. And I'm going to talk all about that next week, so I hope you come back. Let's pray together. God, your word does correct, rebuke, and encourage. And we don't like most of those things. But Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you so much for giving us the commands and the disciplines to help every person here grow in their knowledge of you, in their understanding of you, in the, in the fruit of your spirit, and in the action they need to take in order to live that out in their life. God, thank you for the way you correct our thinking, for the way you rebuke our behavior, and for the way you encourage us that it is not by our power that we do this, but through Christ alone. Jesus, thank you so much for that. God, today, my, my prayer for everyone in the room is to continue to take steps towards maturity. That they would want to experience this new normal in their life so they could experience everything that you have for them. And they can be used in every way that you want to use them in their maturity in you. And we pray all of this in your name, Jesus.